It's Storming the Court with Ryan Connell. Welcome into Storming the Court with Ryan Connell. Today is Friday, November 20th, and we are just five days away from the start of college basketball. On Wednesday, November 25th, 21 of the top 25 teams in the preseason AP poll play their first game of the 2020-2021 college basketball season, headlined by the only top 25 matchup between number two Baylor and number 18 Arizona State as far as the 2K Empire Classic and Mohegan Sun Arena in Uncasville, Connecticut. There's plenty to be excited about, plenty of predictions to be made on this upcoming season, a national championship pick to give out at the end. But before we go any further and before we dive in to what this season may look like, there are two important news items that broke earlier this week that we have to touch on. The first one, The 2021 Men's Basketball NCAA Tournament will be held in a bubble. Last week I talked about how the NCAA was going to find a way to guarantee a 2021 tournament. And they found their answer. It's a bubble. On Monday, the NCAA announced it plans to hold the entire 2021 Men's College Basketball Tournament in one geographic location to mitigate the risk of COVID-19 and is in talks with Indianapolis to be the host city. Dan Gavitt, NCAA Senior Vice President of College Basketball, released this quote on Monday. We have learned so much from honoring other successful sporting events in the last several months, and it became clear it's not feasible to manage this complex championship in so many different states with the challenges presented by the pandemic. However, we're developing a solid plan to present a safe, responsible, and fantastic March Madness tournament unlike any other we've experienced. So what does that mean? Well, that means the NCAA, as they announced, will be holding the NCAA tournament for men's basketball in a bubble. It's probably the safest and the best solution that there is to offer at this point in time. There's no sense to do a East region, a South region, a Midwest, a West region, where you have campus sites, local cities and and different regions across the country, regionalized brackets. There were a lot of other opportunities to try and make something work, but putting all the games being played in the same spot is the most logical and reasonable outcome. As I mentioned, Indianapolis, there's talks for that to be the host city. Indianapolis is already scheduled to be the host city of the Final Four this year, and it's also the headquarters of the NCAA. They have the facilities, they have the space, they have the lodging, the resources, the money, the connections, the testing. It makes sense to be in Indianapolis in one host city. The NCAA got this one right. And as I mentioned, this is only for the men's college basketball tournament. It's still a decision on the women's college basketball tournament will be released at some point but for the men's college basketball tournament the 2021 NCAA tournament will be held in a bubble most likely in Indianapolis the host city for the final four the headquarters of the NCAA everything makes sense Early round games had been scheduled at 13 predetermined sites across the country. Moving those to one location would allow a safe, controlled environment 
with venues, practice facilities, lodging, medical resources, all within a, a close proximity to one another. In our current times, we saw the NBA go to a bubble. That worked. The NHL went to a bubble. That worked. Major League Baseball went to a bubble late in the postseason to try and ensure things would be better for the World Series. It worked. Kinda. I mean, if you don't talk about the Justin Turner scenario, but that's a conversation for another day. The WNBA, Major League Soccer, the NWSL, all these different leagues across North America have found success in going to a bubble environment. College basketball can't do the whole season in a bubble, but the tournament, the most prized possession of college basketball in the NCAA, preserving that in any way, shape, or form after last year's cancellation of the 2020 NCAA tournament was a must. Getting it right by doing it the right way, making sure it's safe for student athletes, coaches, administrators, everybody involved, so that fans of the sport, media, everyone can be happy and have a NCAA tournament. Sure, there'll be some hiccups, and sure, there'll be, you know, some different rules along the way, and there may even still be problems when it comes to positive COVID-19 tests within the bubble, but we can't talk about that now. We have to celebrate the fact that the NCAA, before the season start, has put a plan in place to make sure there's an NCAA tournament. That's the first order of business on today's show. We're going to get to 2020. 2021 season picks, national champion picks, my top five teams heading into the upcoming season, maybe a bust or two, some sleepers, even someone to sprinkle a little bit of money on before the season starts as a, as a pick to win the national championship. But there's one other order of business we have to get to. On Tuesday, Wichita State, head men's basketball coach Greg Marshall resigns from his position. I'm not sure how many of you are familiar with what's been going on at Wichita State and with Greg Marshall, but Marshall has a proven track record of being a very good coach. He led Wichita State to the 2013 Final Four, the winningest coach in school history with over 300 victories. He's been subject to month, a month long, months-long investigation after several allegations surfaced earlier this year regarding multiple verbal and physical incidents against former players and staff members. Multiple witnesses claim Marshall physically assaulted former Shocker Shaq Morris during the 2015-16 season. Morris spoke out about it back in early October and described the altercation as a punch delivered by Marshall during a team practice. This claim was backed up by multiple unnamed teammates of Morris. So that's the head coach of a college basketball team, Greg Marshall, physically striking one of his former players. But that's not all. Former Wichita State assistant coach Kyle Lindstead was choked by Marshall during the 2016-17 season. Choked. Yes, I didn't stutter. I said choked. So one season he hits one of his players on his team. The next season he's choking on an assistant coach. We're now four years removed from the situation. And these claims are just starting to surface publicly because people finally feel comfortable to speak their mind and say, how is this guy still employed? There have been other claims of verbal and physical threats to former players and coaches. Marshall will release a statement on the matter saying, in response to these allegations put forward in the media, I simply state unequivocally 
that I have never physically struck a player or colleague. Allegations claiming otherwise are false. I don't know what you're reading, Greg Marshall. I don't know what you think happened. But we have a player, an assistant coach, and multiple key eyewitnesses on the scene that said it happened. You resigned from your job as the head men's basketball coach at Wichita State. Why would you resign if none of this happened? Why would you resign if you didn't strike one of your players? Oh, you didn't want to beat the backlash of the media. You didn't want to answer the tough questions. No, it's because you did the crime. They were eventually going to fire you when the investigation came to fruition and they found out that this was all legit and you didn't want to be fired. So you wanted to take it into your own hands and step down. This is where this story gets ugly. The university announced and revealed that Marshall will receive a contract settlement of $7.75 million to be paid out over the remaining six years of the contract in which he had. One source told a reporter at CBS Sports that Wichita initially sought to pay Marshall a $2 million buyout to depart from the program, but the former Shockers coach and his legal team negotiated the buyout to its final number of $7.75 million. How can you justify paying a coach nearly $8 million after he physically assaulted a former player and staff member while being employed at your institution? I get it. You want the problem to be over. You don't want people to talk about it. You want things to just go away and move on. That's understandable. Nobody wants to be in that situation. But to pay him nearly $8 million to shut up and go away? That's absurd. That's absurd. Another example that is not related, but kind of related in a certain way. UConn fired Kevin Ollie a couple years ago. They then did not want to pay the rest of his buyout because he, they said he committed a, a series of small NCAA infractions. That went to the courts. It came out that there was a couple small, like recruiting and other violations uh, under the program, which the courts then deemed that Ollie was owed none of his remaining almost $15 million. He's still trying to countersue UConn and get something for it, but to this point has not made any of the remaining money under his buyout. Wichita State chooses to go in the opposite direction, not take this to court, not try and pay Marshall nothing, instead agrees to just settle outside of court for nearly $8 million for a guy that physically hit and struck a former player and assistant coach. There isn't necessarily a right answer. Do you want this lingering thing to stay around year after year after year after year? Or would you want the problem to all go away? But paying $8 million over the next six years, essentially, to a guy that left a permanent mark on your program, how can you justify doing that if you're Wichita State? And you know where this gets even better? I talked highly about the NCAA for saying putting out the NCAA tournament in a bubble and how that's such a great move and being on the forefront of doing that before the season starts, getting that out, kind of clearing the air there. Well, how can you as the NCAA look at what one of your schools 
one of your institutions just did in firing their coach and say, yeah, that's right, they should pay him $8 million for striking a player and an assistant coach. I'm sorry, but if you're in the NCAA, you have to kind of step in. And I know it's a case-by-case scenario, and this is school-slash-university versus a former employer, and they can only have so much intertwining of that. But how is there not a way to handle a situation like this properly? Granted, like hopefully this isn't a reoccurring problem in college basketball, but it happened at Rutgers. Their basketball coach was fired for throwing the basketballs violently at his players during practice. People remember the the Bob Knight scenario with Indiana and how that went down, but that that's years and years ago now. But I'm saying just kind of in recent memory, Tim Rice at Rutgers threw basketballs and like was physically degrading to his players, and he got fired. Greg Marshall physically assaulted a player and an assistant coach. He resigned and is now going to make nearly $8 million over the next six years to shut up, be quiet, and have nothing to do with Wichita State men's basketball. And that's fine for Wichita State. You got rid of them. You're trying to move on. But the price of paying almost $8 million to a guy that physically assaulted a former student athlete and a former employee of yours, not a great look. Not a great look. So those are the two business items and news items we had to get out of the way. The NCAA will have a bubble for the 2021 men's basketball tournament. Great news. Wichita State head coach Greg Marshall resigns after reports and many allegations of physical abuse to a former player and assistant coach. Two news items out of the way. Let's get to what this episode is meant to be. The 2020-2021 season preview. I'll give you my five top five teams. I'll give you two sleepers, and I'll give you a team that's, I'm going to say, quote-unquote, bust. And what I mean bust is right now they're ranked in the AP Top 25, and I'm not saying that they might not be ranked at the end of the year. It's just they're not going to be to the level at which people perceive them to be. So let's start with my top five teams. At number five, the Iowa Hawkeyes. They have a preseason national player of the year, Luca Garza. They return a whole starting five. They were one of the top five offenses in college basketball a year ago. They need to become more of a defensive team. I'm not going to lie. They're a reliability. There were only two teams worse than them in the Big Ten last year in defense. That's not great. This team is a projected AP preseason top five team. We're turning the national player of the year, which can I say one thing when it comes to that? With the preseason national player of the year returning after being one of the finalists for national player of the year last year almost never happens in college basketball this is rare these days Luca Garza is going to be a senior a lot of people say maybe his game doesn't translate a hundred percent to the NBA and that's why he's coming back to college basketball but like take that in for a sec last year this guy was one of the two best players in college basketball as a junior and he didn't leave for the NBA he is back The other four starters on his team are back. They were one of the best offenses in college basketball when fully healthy last year, and they're all back. I think an offseason dedicated to being a better three-point shooting team, something they also struggle at, and defense, I'd say Iowa 
is one of the five best teams in college basketball this year. I'm. It's so hard to repeat and to live out being the preseason national player of the year, turning into the actual national player of the year. But Luca Garza is going to be in the conversation at the end of the year as one of the best, three best players in college basketball. Number four, the Illinois Fighting Illini. Illinois arguably has the best one-two punch in college basketball. Ayo Desumu and Kofi Coburn. They both entered the NBA draft originally, later withdrew after putting out feelers on where they would go. No team benefited more from players returning from testing the waters of the NBA draft than Illinois. Without Tsumu and without Coburn, Illinois would have been looking at a middle-of-the-pack kind of season in the Big Ten. Very much a bubble team. Right now, they're a preseason AP Top Ten team. And right now, they're number four in my team of preseason Top Five teams in college hoops. As I said, one-two punch, Desumu, very explosive guard who can push the pace, score, and that pick-and-roll combination with Kofi, Kofi Coburn is something that is going to haunt a ton of teams. I talked about Iowa. Maybe not being a great defensive team, you've got Luca Garza of Iowa matched up with Kofi Coburn, little pick-and-roll combo with Desumu and Coburn. That's where Luca Garza and Iowa might struggle. And that's why Illinois right now, I have them ahead of Iowa as my best team in the Big Ten. Desumu might be leading the Fighting Illini to the Final Four for the first time since 2005. And they had Darren Williams, Luther Head, D. Brown. Talk about backcourts. That's a steady backcourt. Illinois has that type of pop in 2020 and into 2021. Number three on my top five teams in the preseason for college basketball, the Baylor Bears. They return almost all their talent from a team that went 26-4 and and was on a path to being a number one seed in last year's NCAA tournament. Jared Butler, a first-team preseason All-American. Macy Oteague, a phenomenal point guard. Mark Vital, an absolute unit. A spectacular defender, rebounder, a Mack truck of a body. They lose Freddie Gillespie. You throw in Tristan Clark as his replacement. Tristan Clark is a 6'10 center who two years ago, before getting hurt, was nearly averaging 15 points and almost 7 rebounds a game in the first 15 games of the year. Last year was kind of a rebuilding year for him in terms of getting his strength back up. He played in a little over 20 games. He still missed time earlier in the year, but was finally starting to get his feet under him before the season was put on hold. Scott Drew may be one of the better coaches in America and might be the front runner for coach of the year again. I mean, last year he had Baylor in a place they've never been before. They were the number one team in the country for a while. They were one of the last unbeatens. They were rivaling Kansas as the class of the Big 12. This team was really good, and they didn't lose much. The Baylor Bears are a top five team in college basketball all season long. That's why they check in at number three in my preseason top five rankings. Number two, the Gonzaga Bulldogs. The preseason number one team in the country, according to the AP poll. They lose some stars, but as Gonzaga has seemingly done for the last 20 years, they will consistently be in the top five in the AP poll 
each and every week. Corey Kispert, a first-team All-American. Joel Ayayi. Drew Timmy, a sophomore big man, expected to take a big jump like some of the bigs from Gonzaga of years past. At the best recruit in program history, top 10 prospect Jalen Suggs. And you get one of the best offensive minds in the game of college basketball, Mark Few, coaching them up. Gonzaga will consistently be one of the top three teams in the sport all season long. 2020 has proved that it's been a weird year, an unconventional season. Perhaps it might be time for Gonzaga to get back to the Final Four and win it all. They came ever so close in 2017 before losing to North Carolina. I think Gonzaga has a real chance Indianapolis to make some noise. Last year, I would have picked them heading into the NCAA tournament as one of the favorites to win. This year, they return a lot of that same talent and are again are in a poised and prime position to make noise come March. And then my number one team, number one team, my preseason top five teams in college hoops, the Villanova Wildcats. Colin Gillespie. Jeremiah Robinson Earl, the two best players in the Big East, in my opinion, both play for the Villanova Wildcats. Marcus Zagorowski of Creighton won the preseason Big East Player of the Year, but I think Gillespie and Robinson Earl will be splitting votes for Big East Player of the Year when all is said and done. They lost Sadiq Bey in the first round of the draft, but they bring back Justin Moore, Jermaine Samuels, Cole Swider, the best bench player in the Big East, Brian Antoine. This team is legit. Jay Wright has put Villanova into a consistent winner year in and year out. This is a factory for NBA talent. But they're also a pretty good college basketball team. The 2015-16 team with Ryan uh, Archie Diacono and Daniel Sheffu, Chris Jenkins, of course, the buzzer beater of the national championship game. They won the national title. I think this team is better than that team. There might not be good as, as good as the 2017-18 team, which also won the national title. Jalen Brunson, Mikhail Bridges, Omari Spellman, Eric Pascal, Phil Booth, Dante DiVincenzo coming off the bench, a freshman Colin Gillespie as their seventh man. They might not be good as them, but if they're better than the 2015-16 team, that team won the national championship. I think Villanova can win the national championship. And if they were to win the 2021 National Championship, Jay Wright will have his third national title in the last six seasons. And when you go by the record books, it'll be third title in five NCAA tournaments because there was no tournament last season. Everyone forgets that Villanova won twice in three years. They were always the team that would be like a two seed and then lose in the second round to some seven seed. They'd always lose in the second round. Jay Wright's got past that now, and it's full steam ahead. It's Final Four or bust for the Villanova Wildcats year in and year out. This year is no different. Villanova is my number one team in college basketball heading into the season. And maybe when the season is all said and done, come April, you'll be seeing Jay Wright walking out with his third championship ring in the last six years. Those are my top five teams. Let's give you... Two sleepers and a bust before then we get to our best bets and my winner-take-all national championship pick at the end of this show. Sleepers. One of them is in the top 25, so I don't really deem that as a true, true sleeper. 
So I'll give you one in the top 25 and one outside the top 25. My first team, the number 19 team in the AP preseason poll, the Texas Longhorns. This is the best team Shaka Smart has ever had at Texas. And if they don't get it done this year, he is fired. Fired. He's been on the hot seat the last couple of years. They've been loaded with talent, been churning out lottery picks, and they've had no results. All five starters return at a te- top 10 prospect in center Greg Brown, throwing an experience benched around them. This team should be a prospective top 10 team all year. But last year, they were just 19 and 12 with the same roster. They were flirting on the bubble and constantly underperforming. People are hesitant to rank them in the preseason on pretty much that alone. They were not good in games last year, especially against bad competition. They're a team that kind of played down to some of the teams they played and then played up to the better teams that they played. This year, I think they'll find that consistency that was lacking. Another year of everybody getting closer together, getting a whole offseason, although separate and in small groups, being able to work together and kind of come together as a unit. It might not be the prettiest start to the season for Texas, but I think this team is going to be building something and it's going to be turning the corner and challenging with Baylor as one of the best teams, in, if not the best team, in the Big 12 when it's all said and done. Consistency was an issue last year for the Longhorns. This year, they finally turned the corner. And if they don't, shock is smart. Pack your bags and find somewhere else because you are out of Austin. My next team and second sleeper, the Memphis Tigers. You have to pick a team that's not ranked in the top 25 to be a true sleeper. At least that's the way that I look at it. And I know... Some people would say Texas kind of is a sleeper, being that they're back half of the top 25. But I'll give you, this is a true sleeper when you're talking Memphis here. Last year, Memphis was expected to be a national title contender. They had the number one recruiting class coming into last season. Expectations were at an all-time high for Penny Hardaway and his team. This year, expectations are tempered. They lost James Wiseman, the number one player heading into last year. They lost Precious Achua, also in the first round of the draft. But they got more well-rounded. They became a better team without Wiseman and without Achua. Last year, you can make the case that with Achua and no Wiseman, they were actually a really good team. Now you remove them from the equation. They add in Landers Nolly, a transfer from Virginia Tech, immediately eligible. He averaged nearly 16 points a year ago. DJ Jeffries is the top three player in the American Athletic Conference. He's back in the starting lineup. Lester Quinones, a stellar perimeter shooter and defender. He's back in the starting lineup. Backcourt depth with Boogie Ellis and Damian Ball. Oh, and add in a five-star center in Musa Cisse, a local kid from Memphis who many believe to be the best rim protector in all of college basketball. Oh, yeah. Throw him into the mix. Who's James Wiseman? Who's Precious Achua? We have Musa Cisse now. Outside of Houston, the AAC, the American Athletic Conference, is a wide-open conference. So look at Memphis to win the American Athletic Conference and make some noise come March because this team is better than they were last year. All those five-star guys that they brought in, some have left, some have stayed, but they've galvanized together as a group. 
They have a year of experience. They know how to play college basketball. This is a team that can get red hot. And if they strike at the right time, watch out for those Memphis Tigers. And this wouldn't be a preseason prediction-like show if there wasn't a team, I wouldn't say that we rag on or didn't speak as highly about because the last few teams we spoke about between my top five of Iowa, Illinois, Baylor, Gonzaga, and Villanova, all teams I was high on. Sleepers, I'm high on Texas and Memphis than many other people uh, around college basketball and follow the sport. So I'll give you a team that I am not as high on this year. I wouldn't label it as a bust, but for the purpose of this, I'll say bust for their standards. That is the number six team in the country in the preseason AP Top 25 poll, the Kansas Jayhawks. And many might might say on that initial, oh, Kansas, you're doubting Kansas? They're one of the most consistent programs in college basketball year in and year out. A true blue blood. 100% they are. But they don't have Devon Dodson running the point anymore. Yudoka Azabuki, a finalist for National Player of the Year, he's not on the team anymore. Their best returning player is Marcus Garrett, who might be the best on-ball defender in college hoops. By no means is Marcus Garrett a bad player. Well, he's not an offensive star. The guy barely averaged over 10 points a game last year. I know that wasn't his role, but now if you expect him to be the centerpiece of your team, well, is he just going to drastically improve overnight? They're going to rely heavily on Bryce Thompson, a freshman combo guard, a, you know, a five-star player. Add in Marcus Garrett, Ochai Abaji. Okay. But what was one of their biggest strengths last year? Was the interior play of Yudoka Azabuki. Well, what's their front court at play? Well, they have David McCormick. He was a good spell for Doak last year. He was great off the bench in limited action. There was a few games Yudoka Azabuki missed with injury and other stuff. He played well in a limited sample size. But will David McCormick be a 30-minute-per-night type player? I don't think so. And if he is, then what's his output? Like, you know, 10 and 8? I mean, it's not bad, but it's Kansas. It's Kansas. It's not Jeff Withy walking through those doors. Cole Aldrich. Where's Thomas Robinson? One of the Morris twins. Perry Ellis and his 80 years of college eligibility. It's not one of those front court piece, pieces walking in. Devin Lawson, even just a couple years ago. Yudoka Azabuki. It's none of those guys walking through that door. Rafe LaFrance. We'll throw it back to the 90s. It's not one of those players walking through the door in the front court for the Kansas Jayhawks. It's David McCormick. And his backup is Mitch Lightfoot. Yeah, Mitch Lightfoot. I don't see the production... I mean, it's hard to match Yudoka Azubuki's production. That's one thing. And that's not something they're asking McCormick or Lightfoot to handle. But even the combo of the two of them, I I still don't think comes close. And then there's the looming NCAA sanctions, which likely won't take place this year and won't affect until next season. But that can always drastically change because rulings and more information comes out. Kansas is in a very unsettling place, a place that they're not really used to. The uncertainty for Kansas is, for me, really the main reason why I'm not as high on them as others. For the last 16 years, Kansas has won the the Big 12 regular season title 
or a share of it in all but one season. They've won 15 of the last 16 regular season titles or a share of the regular season title. The only year they didn't win was 2019. However, this year, their lack of depth, the consistent play, and better teams in the league. You talked about I talked about how I was high on Texas. Baylor is one of my top three teams in the country. Both them are better than Kansas. Then you throw in Texas Tech, who two years ago was in the national championship and probably shouldn't have won that game against Virginia. Oh, yeah, they added... They added Marcus Santos Silva from VCU. They added Mac McClung from Georgetown. They enrolled another five-star guard to replace Jemias Ramsey. And oh yeah, Chris Beard, he might be one of the top 10 coaches in college basketball. Bill Self's a great coach. He makes do with what he's thrown, but making do with what you're throwing at Kansas is most of the time saying, here's a couple five-star prospects, let's throw them together, and we got 25 wins. Last year, Kansas was arguably the best team in the country. That's because they had Devon Dotson and they had Yudoka Azubuki. They don't have either of them. They will be a good defensive team. They might win a couple close games that are low scoring. That's for sure. Kansas will play defense and really be a tough team to play. I'm not saying they're not going to be a tough team. I'm saying they're not going to be what they're projected to be. They're projected to be the number six team in the country before the season starts. At the end of the season, they still might be ranked, but they're not going to be that good. When the NCAA tournament comes rolling around, this is a team that, depending on the matchup, might find themselves quickly packing their bags from Indianapolis. So my bust, or team that I'm not as high on this year as a lot of other people, is the number six in the preseason poll, Kansas Jayhawks. So let's get to some betting favorites here before we wrap up. Futures to win the 2021 National Championship. All odds are from William Hill Sportsbook. The favorite, according to the odds makers, at 9-1 to one or plus 900, the Villanova Wildcats. Second best odds go to the defending national champs, the tw- in 2019 that is, the Virginia Cavaliers. Baylor Bears and Gonzaga Bulldogs, all 10-1 to one or plus 1,000. Kansas and Kentucky at plus 1,200, Duke at plus 1,400, Illinois and Iowa at plus 1,500, and rounding out the top 10 in terms of best odds to win the 2021 National Championship is the Michigan State Spartans at plus 1,600 or 16 to 1. I'll give you three picks in a dark horse. I kind of alluded to it when ranking my top five teams, who some of those teams will be. Number one, the team that I would say has the best chance to win the national championship, and the odds makers agree with me, is the Villanova Wildcats. I kind of listed off how I think they're better than one of the teams that won a national championship for them. They have depth. They have star players. They have great coaching. They have recent success, a good pedigree. A lot of things point to Villanova, and that might be a popular pick because that's how the books have it right now at plus 900. Gonzaga, I said 2020 has been a weird year. They would have been one of my teams, if not my favorite team, heading into this past year's NCAA tournament before it was canceled. Because they're on the edge of really breaking through. They're only now going to be four years removed from a national title appearance in which 
took a valiant effort from North Carolina to come back and beat them. Mark Few has a top-notch program in Gonzaga. There's a reason they got one of the, their first top 10 prospect to commit there in Jalen Suggs this year. Gonzaga is legit, and I think we still have to stop viewing them as a mid-major darling team that's always going to dominate their conference, because they will certainly do that. They're a national title contender year in and year out at plus 1,000. I like me some Gonzaga Bulldogs. Third and final team before a dark horse pick that I'll give you is Illinois. Plus 1,500. I mentioned the Io DeSumo, Kofi Coburn connection. I think they have real potential. I still like Gonzaga and Virginia more than them, but if there's a team you want to get in on before the price goes too high or the odds kind of shift from you because they're going to be ranked higher as the season moves along, it's the Illinois Fighting Illini. I mean, right now they're the eighth team in the preseason poll. They're 15-1. to one. I like them better than both Kansas and Kentucky, who have shorter odds than them. I like them better than I like Duke. I think if you're going to pull the trigger on Illinois, it's now, well, you still have a favorable, favorable price rather than being too late to the party on the fighting Illini. Now my dark horse pick for the 2021 NCAA title. They are one of my sleeper teams, the Texas Longhorns. As I said, they return all five starters. They add a five-star prospect at center for a program that's been churning out really good interior talent. Texas has real potential. And as I said, this is a make-or-break year for Shaka Smart in Austin. If it doesn't go well, see ya. Find a new job. If it goes well, Texas will have a chance to make the Final Four and win the National Championship. They might be one of the more experienced teams in college basketball that has their whole returning starting five. As I said, he had a top 10 prospect in the mix. They have potential. They're going to get challenged in the Big 12 league schedule. They'll play some good teams. They'll lose some games. But at 40-1, to that's a pretty damn good price for a team that's most likely going to be in the top 10 when it's all said and done. Going into the NCAA tournament, you will not get 40-1 to 1 odds on Texas. So where they are right now, and while there's still a little bit of doubt, and people are uncertain if they're going to be consistent, or if they're going to be the team like they were last year, where they were up and down, and you couldn't really get a read on them, I say you get in on the Texas Longhorns before it's too late. So to recap real quick, my top five teams in college basketball, Villanova 1, Gonzaga 2, Baylor 3, Illinois 4, Iowa 5. That's heading into the season, my preseason top five teams. Two teams to keep an eye on heading into the season, the Texas Longhorns and the Memphis Tigers. And the one team that I'm kind of staying away from this year, other people are still high on them because they're a perennial powerhouse and a true blue blood program, is the Kansas Jayhawks. And my way-too-early preseason national championship pick, the Villanova Wildcats. That'll do it for this episode of Storming the Court. Please make sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, 
give us a five-star review. Let us know what you think of the product we're bringing to you each and every week. If you know somebody who loves college hoops, make sure to share the show with them as we continue to grow this podcast. You can follow me on Twitter for all the latest on the show at Rye underscore Connell. That's R-Y underscore C-O-N-N-E-L-L. Thanks again for listening. Enjoy the start of the college hoop season, and I'll talk to you again next week.